My dear friends, welcome back to the Relationship Business Podcast. My name is Kenny Morgan. I'm the proud husband and father of three, founder of Good Story out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, and your humble host. I don't know what it is about a new year, but I love the feeling of having a fresh start. Wherever you find yourself today, know that your past doesn't have to define your future. You are loved, you have value, and today is a brand new day. Speaking of new, I'm so honored to welcome a new friend to the show today in Elizabeth Dixon. Elizabeth has a heart, a heartbeat to help individuals, teams, and organizations reach their goals one choice at a time. From Chick-fil-A and the University of Georgia to Southwest Airlines and Zappos, her leadership and personal development is making such a difference in the lives of others. She has founded, operated, and sold several small businesses, and she's just getting started. But beyond all that, I have found her to be one of the kindest souls I've met. Uh, and I just want to say thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about it. So I've got to ask, um, I, I see that you've worked with the University of Georgia, but what is it like to be a Georgia resident to now have a World Series title, a national championship? Like what's in the water down there right now? I mean, between the Braves and the dogs, it is a great state to be in right now. There's a lot of celebrating for sure. Last uh, Monday was a very exciting night for so many of us Bulldog fans. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't, I don't, sadly, I don't think there's much hope for the Falcons this year, but I mean, two out of three is pretty good. Yeah. We'll take, we'll take the two week. <laughs> well, I uh, tell people often that I just, I, be, I believe in relationship and I think uh, through relationship, just some really beautiful stories come from that. But um, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you, but I would love just to hear a little bit of your story. I always like to go back and, and ask, you know, what, when you were growing up, what were some things that you thought you wanted to be and, uh, what's the path look like and has it been anywhere close to where you landed and where you're at today? I love that question. When I go all the way back to those first initial thoughts of like, what do I want to do with my life? I wanted to be a mom. That was my aspiration. So I was a awesome babysitter. I don't know if I was an awesome babysitter. I just love to babysit. Um, and the best places to babysit are the families that had the best snacks. So now when we have babysitters over, I'm like over descriptive of like, make sure you check out the pantry, enjoy anything in the refrigerator. Because I always love those houses who had really good snacks. Um, so I really wanted to be a mom and I'm really thankful that that has happened and it has exceeded my expectations in joy and in challenge. Like it's really hard um, being a mom and guiding these precious little ones in their hearts and, and recognizing how much sin is in my own life, things that could kind of scoot by before, but then in inside the house, you realize how broken and sinful you are. And so it's been a really beautiful process and very redemptive. And it definitely has helped our family bond together to be able to recognize that we're not sufficient in and of ourselves, but that's where we always need Jesus. So that was my very first. But then after I got a little bit older and realized that being a mom was not in the near future, I really wanted to be a rockette in New York City. <laughs> that was that was going to be the jam. So I I was a dancer at Disney. I was in the Nutcracker. I was a ballerina, tap dancer. I loved to perform in that way. And so when my parents took me to Radio City Music Hall, I thought, boom, that's what I want to do. 
Um, but there was a sharp turn from there that did not end up being a part of my future. <laughs> but I took with me the passion for um, physiology and the human body and kinesiology and how it all worked together for dancing and performing. And I ended up majoring in exercise science in college. And then my dream was to get to work for a company whose product I loved and teach them and inspire them around health and wellness. And corporate wellness wasn't a really big thing at that time. It was in the early 2000s. And some companies were pioneering that like Coca-Cola and Cox and Home Depot, but not all companies were there. And um, I ended up getting a role at Chick-fil-A, which was like the dream job to me. Not only did I love their product, but I love their purpose and to get to teach them about health and wellness. So I was I'm blessed to be able to create a wellness program for Chick-fil-A. And then I transitioned into human resources for a few years. And then I find myself uh, currently in um, marketing and I work on strategy and research and development for uh, service and hospitality for Chick-fil-A. So I get to be a mom. I get to help a company who I believe in and love. And then through that process, I also realized that I love to I love to create new value. And so there have been some really fun businesses along the way. Some, um, as my dad would say, are like getting your master's degree. Like <laughs> they actually don't end up like making a lot and they, you can't really sell them, but they um, are a great education. And then others have been much more lucrative. So it's been a fun mm. journey. I love that. So I'm going to throw you a little bit of a, a curveball because I think what you said was really important. Um, you said one of the first things that you wanted to be was a mom. And I resonate with that in a big way because even at a young age, I remember wanting to be a dad. Um, even on the playground, I remember thinking about that. Um, but you also just talked about how being a mother has helped uh, shape you, grow you, show you areas where um, you could be better. And I think the same of me too, being a father of three, I've grown so much just having that relationship with my, my spouse and my kids. But um, my wife, uh, who's incredible, and um, I don't know how she does what she does. I feel like she has three full-time jobs being at home. Um, and it's from the time you wake up uh, all the way to the time you go to sleep and then some feedings in between. But what would be your wisdom for mothers or fathers or those stay-home parents um, that I think sometimes struggle with what is their value, what's their purpose? When we, you know, those that do work professionally, I do, do understand it fully. But for those listening that may be a stay-at-home, um, how could you just relay their value and their purpose in, in their life? Yeah, I think I've heard someone say this before, and I don't know originally who coined it, but they said that the greatest legacies that we're going to leave are going to be based on the investments we make in our home. And I think, honestly, it's easy to become distracted for all of the things that we can make investments for outside of our home. And so this is speaking from someone who I can't fully relate. The path that I'm on does have me spending time outside of the home and inside the home. But I think for all of us, it comes down to thinking about what are those long-term investments that we ultimately want to make and being at peace with what that might look like during the day. Mm. And so for some, it, it probably looks like a lot of laundry and feeding yes. and like exhaustion. And it's like, but that's no less valuable. That is just as valuable 
If not, again, sometimes more because those are the investments in the people that ultimately we get to leave our legacies to more than the projects or the work that we might work on. That's easier to forget. We might not want to think that, but people forget that pretty quick. But yeah. it's the, the family and those relationships that really leave a legacy behind us. That's so true. And that is the biggest... Um, thing that I've learned about having three kids, the laundry battle is for real. Like we have, like we clean all the laundry, we fold it. And then I'm, it's like 30 minutes later, our couch is completely full of laundry again. I don't, do you have the same problem? Yes. It's crazy. And like, I never thought I'd like be that parent. That's like, are you sure these are dirty? Like, I think you can wear them again. <laughs> like save a wash. <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm like, if we could just have, it sounds bougie. We don't have this kind of money, but I was like, if we could just have someone doing laundry all the time, like that'd be like the one splurge that I would want to go for because it's just crazy. Totally, so, never ending. Never ending. It's so true. Um, I, uh, I again, I've I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I've I've really um, I'm genuine in saying like just having some few conversations with you so far, uh, you just have a really special heartbeat uh, for people. And I love that so much. Um, And I love that you are there to help individuals and teams discover their full potential. So my question for you is why is this needed now more than ever? And do you think relationship building fits into this model? Yeah. Okay, so I'm not going to go all COVID on us, but let's be real. The last two years have been very disruptive in a lot of ways. And and uh, it was uh, Prudential who did a study and found that 48% of Americans are rethinking the type of job that they want post-pandemic. Mm. 48% of us are becoming deeply reflective to say, is the majority of my time I'm spending really how I want to be spending my time? Is that really the direction I want my life to go? And it's just interesting. I think that COVID created a jolt for us and there was a lot of negative stuff. I think there's been in my life, some very silver lining, beautiful things that have come from the past two years, but it's just an interesting time. And so when you ask like, why now more than ever, I think that creates this um, really a really big opportunity to have a bit of a blank slate that sometimes it's really hard for us to carve out for ourselves to reflect and go, okay, truly, like, what is it that I am pursuing? What is it that my purpose is all about? What do I want my life to be about? And to be able to make some of those long-term minded decisions in a way that still honors our, our short-term. It's like, financial health, physical health, relational health, it all comes down to those habits that we have today and how they're going to pay off in the long term. And so COVID's given us a unique opportunity to reflect and pause and and look and evaluate and say, okay, is that truly what I want? Am I truly fulfilling my purpose and my full potential? And relationships absolutely weave into that because we're built for relationships. And I think we've seen that so much over the past two years is being isolated, being separated, being distanced is not good for our health. It's not good for our emotional health, our physical health. 
And so we're all craving that where we just want this to be over, right? I just want to be able to be back together. And so relationships are foundational for how God made us and how we're wired for connection. And so I think it's absolutely critical that we find those ways to still grow relationships together, even in the midst of some really odd circumstances. Wow. Yeah, that's so powerful. Um, one thing that you said, uh, and I totally agree that COVID has given us a, a very unique opportunity to kind of go um, inward and just figure out, like, is this what we want to do with our life? Are we spending uh, the best use of our time? I know you have whole uh, speeches and books that you're writing and uh, material that you share on how people can kind of take some steps to to find this purpose. But if you could just like high level share some some guidance on for anybody right now that's just unsure if they're, uh, I think there's there's usually some indication inward that hey I, I'm I, I lack joy I lack direction I lack purpose. Um, I've been there. I mean I think in COVID I've I've reevaluated things. But what would be for those people that find themselves a little stuck, what would be some baby steps they could take today to start trying to figure out what that purpose is for their life and and head in that direction? Yeah. So for the sake of everyone being on the same page, I think some words like purpose can have multiple meanings and none of them are wrong. So just for the sake of like understanding, when I think about purpose, I define it for myself as why something exists. So why a person exists, like what is the purpose of this pen? Like, why does it exist? So what is the purpose is reflecting and asking myself, like, why do I exist? And the reason that this is really important is because purpose serves as a foundation for us. And the foundation that we build from determines that this, the strength that we live from. So let me give you a word picture. When I was growing up, I grew up in Florida and I loved to go to the beach and I love to build sandcastles and I, you know, get the like sunburn because you've been out there so long, but you just like have to make the perfect sandcastle and you spend all your time and you get the perfect proportion of wet sand and dry sand. Like it's all about that. You can't just go total dry sand or you have no form. If you go total wet sand, then you got the drip castle, which is cool, but it's its own thing. So you got to get this perfect proportion, but inevitably you go in that night, you go to bed, you come out the next morning and what's happened? It's gone. It's gone. The tides rose and it's gone. The foundation was shaky. It was soft. Compare that to a foundation in central Florida where we lived. We didn't live at the beach. We just visited the beach in central Florida, known for hurricanes and tornadoes and thunderstorms every afternoon during the summer between 3 and 5 p.m. It's just how things roll Um, my dad built a tree fort for us. And this tree fort that he built had the firmest foundation. I mean, he had concrete footers, I guess they're called. And Mm -hmm. the stilt went into that. And it was in in my five-year-old mind, it was absolutely epic of a tree fort. And that tree fort, Kenny, did not go anywhere in all the storms (laughs) that came because it had a foundation that was so solid. It was a foundation Mm -hmm. of concrete. And the foundation 
that we build on determines the strength that we live from. And when we don't know our purpose, it's kind of like building the sandcastle and you build it up and the tides come in and they just kind of wipe it away. And you wake up in the morning and you're like, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? And you feel this anxiety and this fear and this stress of like, I don't even know if my life is mattering towards anything. And we start to define the rungs on our ladders as things that the world defines it. And if we're not getting that promotion or making this much or having those things or at that right school, then suddenly we're like, ah, I don't know. Am I doing the right things? Whereas when we have a purpose that we can define for ourselves and not saying it has to be perfect and not saying it can't evolve over time, but but when we can put into words, why do I exist and use that as a filter to make our decisions, we can redefine the rungs on our ladder. They don't have to be how everyone else is defining them. We can define where we're going in life and stay in our lane. What's at the end of our lane. I was talking to a friend the other day. He got into the Boston Marathon. No joke, Kenny. Like as much as I love thinking about purpose for about 2.4 minutes, I was like, should I run the Boston Marathon? <laughs> and then I'm like, no, Elizabeth, like your knee hurts after five miles, number one. And number two, you don't have 30 hours a week to dedicate to training because yeah. that's not at the end of your lane. And so our purpose, it creates that foundation and it creates a filter. So then we can be able to say yes and no to the things we need to say yes and no to, because it's in light of ultimately where we're wanting to go, where we're feeling God calling us to go. Mm. Well, you're speaking to my heart today. I'm like, I'm like ready for chapter two and chapter three. Well, and one thing, one thing you did say practical. I didn't really give you practical. Here's what I would give you for practical. If you're like, great, what is my purpose? I think it's carving out some time for yourself. And maybe it's five minutes over the next 15 days, or maybe it's a few hours at one time. But asking yourself, like, why do I exist? Why did God create me? And start just writing and then use those words to put together a sentence for yourself of what that purpose is. And the stronger purposes are going to be others-focused. They're going to transcend our life, our lifetime, and they're going to motivate us. So write down and and put together all these different words and then think about how can these words leave a legacy and be others focused? How can they be timeless and transcend my lifetime, your lifetime? And how can they be inspiring and motivate? And then just keep looking at that every single day until it becomes a heartbeat for yourself and it becomes that automatic filter when you're making your yeses and your noes. Yeah. That's yeah, that's really powerful too. I had to talk to a friend, and I had heard this before, but it, uh, it was a conversation that I really needed to hear. He was just like, you know, every time you say yes to something, you say no to something else. Yes. And I really needed that because I, I, you also um, call yourself a serial entrepreneur, and sometimes I think serial entrepreneurs say yes to a lot of things. Yes. Um, but yeah, that you just. Uh, Breaking down your yeses and your noes, I think that's uh, so applicable to a lot of us. So, um, speaking of serial entrepreneurs, uh, how can one manage the endless amount of ideas and opportunities and actually make progress and also maintain healthy relationships at the same time? Because I know me, I, I have a new idea every two hours, and my wife just kind of 
rolls her eyes and she was like, how much did the domain cost this time? You know, because uh, I, I probably have a hundred. So and I know you, you have, you, you have so many ideas and really great things that you bring to the table, but how, how do you manage it all? Well, I think it's hard, right? I think it is hard. And for us crazy birds that are minded to build new and create value that doesn't exist and, and, you know, who have those ideas that come along and it's almost intoxicating to pursue them. You're like, oh, this is huge. This is so big. It's just, it's so in your wiring. Some of you listening are like, I have no idea what that's like. And that's a-okay too. But I think for all of us, it is that managing. It's it's balancing. It's figuring out where those yeses and nos are coming. And so I think when it comes down to like, how do you choose what you're going to work on? Prioritization. And then how do you really focus on that and let your habits support it? To me, those are kind of the three things to think about is what are my priorities for I like to do three years. What are my priorities for the next three years? Then break it down to one year, then break it down to quarter, to month, to week. So some of y'all are like, wow, hyper-organized girl. But I am. I mean, I keep with me a one-week calendar. I have my one-month calendar over there, and then I have my one- and three-year goals. Because to me, it all has to make sure that it's going in the right direction and it's not distracting. Because the point that you just made that any amount of energy that we are putting towards something that doesn't matter is taking away from the things that do matter. So we have to make sure that we have a good prioritization. And then I think we have to focus and be disciplined. And for some of us, that's just a discipline of saying, okay, I'm going to take that idea and I'm going to write it in notes on my phone. And then I'm just going to let it simmer there. I'm not going to act on it. Um, And then I think with healthy relationships all at the same time, I think that comes down for me, it comes down to my habits. And so in my life, it comes down to what is my morning routine? What's the afternoon routine? What's the evening routine? How are dates showing up with my husband, John, being really, really calendared and and put those priorities into a habit so it's not something that we hope happens. No, it's a habit that it happens. So those are the things for me about prioritize it, be disciplined to focus on it, create an outlet for where the things that need to be said no to can just have their little place and live, and then be really focused on our habits to make sure that they're supporting the relationships that long-term we know are most important and to make sure that we're pouring into those and investing in those the right way. Yeah, that's really good. And I think I had a conversation with my coach, uh, who's also my mentor, I guess it's been about two weeks ago. And I just kind of reflected and I'm being very transparent here, but I said, I, I, I've pretty much given myself away to a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And the thing that really st- stuck with him that he kind of brought back to me was I said, nothing's really getting the best of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about like, you know, if anything, anything can only be like a hundred percent and, you know, I, I kind of evaluated like my time and I may be giving like 5% to all these different categories. So I'm doing a lot of quantity, but I don't know how much quality I'm doing. Yeah. And I think a lot of small business owners, and I know you have, you have built a ton of small businesses, you've sold some. Um, 
I would, I would just be curious to know how does, uh, how does one get down to those things that they're purpose to do? Mm -hmm. Um, but also like some of these other things like being an accountant or the sales rep or the HR director, how, how does someone that's still running a a kind of a small lean business, um, not give away everything and, and still, like you said, set, uh, some habits and, um, do the things that that are really going to move that business forward. I think it's hard. And I think that there's different seasons and that's refreshing to hear because not everything about the dynamic today is necessarily going to be true in the future. Like for any of us parents, right? The seasons that we go through when they're infants. And I know you have a little one at Mm -hmm. home again and you're like, oh yeah, yeah." like (laughs) I remember how often you eat. And then before we blink and everyone always tells us that, you know, like you're going to blink and it's going to go by so quickly. We find ourselves in a new season. And I remember one time um, I was leaving work and I was bawling, crying. And I called one of my mentors and I just said, I shouldn't be working. Like, I feel like I'm failing as a mom. Everything is just breaking around me. And she said two things. She said, okay, breathe. And she said, honey, your systems are broken. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, the systems that worked for you yesterday are not going to work for you now. And so that's what you're bumping up against your purpose hasn't changed. Like the peace that you felt when you took this role and you had these different responsibilities, nothing shifted there, but your systems aren't working. And so to your point of like, what's getting the best of us? Like, what are the highest value hours of our day? What is the most impactful work that I could be spending my time doing? That can be seasonal too. And when we bump into it, we have a spouse that says like, I need more of your attention. We have children that say, mom, I need, I want to play with you in the yard. We have employees saying, Hey, I need, like we bump into those moments. It doesn't mean that we've been doing anything wrong or that anything's broken, but it's just like Elaine said to me, breathe. Mm -hmm. Now your systems are broken. And so I think some questions that have helped me in those moments when you bump into it and you're like, I'm so stressed, there's so much, I feel like I'm deluded across all of these things. The first question is, what's important now? You've probably heard that. W-I-N, when, how do you win? What's important now? And literally write it down and be like, okay, these are the four things that are important now. I can let go of these others. I'll get to them. Calendar them. Get them done later, but don't wear them right now. So what's important now? And then what is it that only I can do? And I bump into this question all of the time. And as our businesses grow, there are more people who can take on more responsibility and it becomes the the discipline to say, okay, what is it that only I can do? And what is it that I can give to somebody else that they're uniquely gifted to be able to do? Because that helps us scale. It helps us Mm -hmm. grow. We have to let go. So those are the two questions that help me the most of going, okay, what is important now and not feeling like everything's on fire? Yeah. Narrow it down. And then what is it that I uniquely can do? And then what can I pass off to somebody else to be able to do? Yeah. Well, two things come to my mind after that beautifully relayed uh, 
gold that you just gave us. One, I think um, I should pr- you should probably just invoice us for your consulting time because <laughs> it's so good. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not taking notes for the podcast. I'm, I'm like, this is notes for me. Uh, but one thing that you really struck on, and I've I've come to understand as a as a business leader, is that a lot of, I believe a lot of leaders get into to the space for good reasons. They want they want more time with their family. They want to mm-hmm. you know have some flexibility. They want to be able to do good and create better cultures. And sometimes we just get to that. We're in that. We're not quite yet into the second or third season. And we feel like we're failing at every, literally everything. And for you to share that, like you left work, you know, crying your eyes out because you felt like a failure and you're just ready to throw in the towel. I've been there every other week of my life. Um, but you just, uh, I just, you're, you really, um, brought something that's very encouraging and I think is going to resonate with a lot of people listening. Um, and I'm super grateful for that. So, um, a little transition, but I think on the same subject, I don't think there's been a, a season in life in this world where there's been more distraction than there is now. I mean, I, I'm 30, about to be 36. So I remember times before cell phones and when the internet was commonly used and it was, it was different. It was, you know, if someone wanted to call you, they'd leave a, a voicemail on your answering machine at the house on your landline and you'd get back to them when it was when you could. Um, and uh, in some ways, I don't know how we how we live that way, but in, in a lot of ways, I kind of miss just having less distractions. But how do you how do we um, how do we live in a world where there's these these good things, but also find focus to do those things that we're called to do? Um, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. You've probably read the book Paradox of Choice. And it's super fascinating. And you start to realize how so many choices can become paralyzing. Whereas when we walked down the cereal aisle as kids, I mean, it was like Frosted Flakes, (laughs) Honey Nut Cheerios. I mean, there were probably like 20 cereal choices. I mean, it's a whole aisle now. It's unbelievable. There are like more flavors of Cheerios today than there were types of cereals when we were kids. And so there's so many choices and there's so many, to your point, distractions. There are things that are pulling our attention. And a lot of times I think they're really good things like, um, you know, being room mom there, I decided that I was going to sign up and agree to be room mom. One of my kids' teachers said, I really need help. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. But I had to lay out for her, like, let me tell you what kind of room mom I am. Like, I'm like your Amazon order to be delivered to the classroom room mom. I'm not your, like, crafty, turn some mandarin oranges into a teeny tiny edible pumpkin room mom. Like, that's just, that's just not what happened. And so those good things come along and they can look like being on a board. They can look like being room mom. They can look like going to that Bible study. They can look like hosting that group in our home. Like they can look like all really good things. But I think the trouble to the point of your question is that there is a tendency that we fall into action distraction where we just get in this propensity of saying yes. And I mean, it's a good thing. Does it check the box of good? It does. So I should do it. And the risk of action distraction is that we delude ourselves and we become ineffective. And we're saying yes to so many good things 
that we miss being really great at what we're called to. And I think for my life, I constantly have to come back and check my boundaries. For our family, it starts with boundaries of, okay, what are the hours that we're going to work? How many nights traveling is the maximum? Um, How many date nights per month? How many dates with our kids? When are we going to do those? Like putting those boundaries into place. And it's the whole like trust your system. And if that's your system, you're believing that it's going to produce a great result. And you're saying no rapidly. Like no is such an important word. And it is a complete sentence. (laughs) Still. Like, no, I have a hard time with making it a complete sentence. My husband, John, is totally fine with that. I have to do like the comma, but thank you so much for asking. But remember me in the future. I really appreciate the opportunity. I have to add a little bit more around it for my own personality. But I think it comes down to like, what are those systems, those boundaries, those rhythms or habits, whatever you want to call it in our, in our lives And how do those help direct us to saying yes or no so we don't fall into the action distraction pit? And then we find ourselves being like, gosh, I am, I'm exhausted. I'm running so hard. The the beautiful thing is that probably everybody listening is in control of their decisions. And they're in control of their yeses and nos. I think what gets scary is when we let fear start driving our decisions. <gasps> what if I don't get the promotion? What if this means I don't get that next thing? What if I'm not? What if it's not enough? And when fear starts driving and takes over the bus, like we're just going off the road and off the rails. But as long as we can come back to like my purpose, my boundaries, and these are the rhythms we have for our family. It allows us to say no with better confidence and recognize there's going to be another season. That's okay. There'll be another season when I can say yes to that. But for right now, this is the space that we're going to be in and we can stay focused. Mm, that's so good. I love that. And you okay, know, so, I think <laughs> Nehemiah was great at that. I heard uh, Sandra Stanley share a message, Andy Stanley's wife, share a message one time, and it was specifically about parenting. And she made the connection to Nehemiah when he said, I am on this wall. I cannot come down. He had a task that God had given him, and he had all the naysayers trying to pull him down. And so I think when we can find that clarity, and sometimes it takes years to find, but when we can find that clarity of like, this is the wall, and I will not come down. Like, this is what I'm purposed to do. And so I'm going to let my yeses and nos fall accordingly. I thought that that comparison that she created years ago was a really great one. That's awesome. I wonder if we can dig that one back up some somewhere. Yeah, I bet you can. Yeah, if we can, we'll include that in the show notes. I think that'd be a great, a great message to listen to. Um, so there are not a lot of new terminologies being used in the world of business uh, and things that I think you know about pretty well: service design, um, customer experience, which I talk about a lot. For those who may be tuning in and have maybe have no clue what these things mean, could you elaborate? Um, and just talk about uh, why there's been a shift back to really thinking about the customers and putting them first. 
For sure. So again, kind of back to defining purpose, there can be multiple ways to define some of these words. So I'll share with you how I define them, and then it'll probably make sense how I think about them and talk about them. But to me, customer experience is a set of experiences that a customer has with your brand. It is the set of experiences that a customer has with your brand. Service design, which kind of falls and nests within that, is how you design your service experience. It's it's the process. It's the procedures. It's those steps that you're going through to ultimately get that service or product that a customer is buying. And all of these approaches for different brands are to ensure that the customer is at the center. And it hasn't always been this way. So it's like, go back in time before before us. <laughs> like the 1900s, it was all around manufacturing. That was the main competitive advantage. You had yeah. Ford, you had Boeing, you had GE. Then you fast forward to the 60s and it was like the distribution age. Walmart, Toyota, UPS, like they were setting the standard for distribution being the competitive advantage. And then you fast forward 30 years and the information age really peaked in the 90s. And it was all around Google and Comcast and these companies that were emerging that had this information data centric focus. And then Jeff Bezos, Amazon, um, Apple, these companies came along and just blew out of the water the competitive advantage to focus on the customer. And they found ways to fulfill what customers were saying quietly. We want what we want, when we want, where we want, how we want it, the way we want it. Mm -hmm. And now that's what we have where we truly can get all of those things fulfilled. And when we don't get them fulfilled, we will, bye, leave that brand. I'm going to go find someone who will do that for me. Can you believe that they don't offer that? Like, what is that about? So the customer now is truly at the center and it's our brands going to come around that and design their experiences so that it, it fits the customer needs and the things that they Want so it's a brand decision. What you going to do? Like the customers are are demanding it, and Henry Ford has been noted as saying that it's not the employer that pays the paychecks; it's the customer who pays the paychecks. Yeah. The employer just handles the money in between, and so we're seeing that continue to play out in customers' expectations rising and guiding where things are shifting into the future. So mm. it's a very interesting time for sure. Do you, do you think, uh, I also read your article on necessity versus uh, nuisance. And mm. sometimes I do feel <laughs> like I'm, I'm seen as a nuisance when I go to these, these places. I'm like, I'm just asking for some extra sauce. That's all, <laughs> you know, like I'm not asking for a refund or anything. Um, do, do you think though, I think one, you're, you're exactly right. You know, there's been such a, a such a shift that the customers are demanding it, but um, for companies that, that genuinely care, do you think uh, there's a place for a relationship between uh, product and consumer or organization and followers. Like I, when I think of customer service, I also think of a relationship. Um, like there's, I've always said that the best way to market is, is the heart string that connects the two people. Um, so I'd love to hear you talk about that. 
I completely agree because relationship, connection, that leads towards loyalty. And ultimately, that's what brands, great brands, really want is they want that relationship. They want that trust between the brand and the consumer. And I think in this day, it just causes brands to stand out that truly want that connection. They truly care about their customer and those that don't. But I think you're exactly right that relationship and connection is ultimately what it's all about. And as consumers, we can sniff it out when it's not genuine And we want that. We want that connection. And growing, we want connection with brands who are doing good and they're making a difference and they're making an impact. And we're identifying ourselves more with brands than just seeing ourselves as consumers. We're like aligning ourselves in many ways with brands. The younger generations are doing that um, even more than I might feel I am myself in my life, but that's where things are going. And so we have to be focused on that relationship. And I think a practical way to think about that is when you're making decisions about your organization, what is the customer's voice into that decision? Yeah. And if they don't have a seat at the table, um, not necessarily literally, but if they don't have voice into it, there's a great chance that we're going to miss something and we're going to miss an opportunity for how we're leading our companies and ultimately serving our customers. That's so true. Yeah, I've kind of thought about that. Uh, something you said just a moment ago. Um, you know when you're like driving around town with a Yeti sticker on the back of your truck, I'm like, you realize that's a cooler brand, right? Like it's it's a cooler, it's a it's a mug. <laughs> that's all that it is. <laughs> or is it a lifestyle? Yeah. And that's where certain brands create this relationship and connection, and people start to feel an, a sense of belonging. Like yeah. I identify with the brands, and it's super fascinating. Yeah, it really is. Uh it's in a sense, and I like it. I think it's it's uh it's headed in the right direction. Um, so you, we've talked about a lot of different things. You, you are not only a serial entrepreneur, um, but you're, you're doing a lot of other things too. You're, you're speaking all across the world, working on a book. Um, how do you do all these things that you do really well, but also maintain strong relationships with, with family, um, and just those other relationships that are really important to you? So I think it's one of those things for me that's like, that's the stuff that is most important and I'm not always perfect at it. And it's finding the the ways that are going to work best in different seasons. And I'm definitely a student of that and very open-handed, like how do my systems and processes need to change? But I think it comes down to the habits and boundaries. And so John, my husband and I, I mentioned how we love to think, three years out, one year out, and then break it down from there. But we sit down um, every quarter and we reflect and go, hey, what's working and what's not? And we have vision for the different areas of our life of ultimately, what are we moving toward? And we ask ourselves the question of, are we moving in that right direction? And I think the, the power of our future self is found in the habits of today. And so it comes down to, I have dedicated no device time 
every day with my kids after they're home from school and I play whatever they want to play. Yesterday, I got hit in the eye with a football and I was like, this is for the birds. Like, I'm not a good receiver. I'm just not. But I will play whatever they want to play. And John and I have dedicated time every morning from 6 to 6.30, where we sit together and we have our quiet time and we talk about our day and we connect and then we do it again at night. And some people might be thinking like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, like what does that matter? But for me, I know that the 30 minutes in the morning, the hour in the afternoon with my kids and the hour at night for our routine, and then we do family dinner together, that creates a rhythm that establishes the relationships for ultimately where we want to go. So I'm not perfect at it for sure. And some days look a whole lot better than others. But I find that those habits and those routines really build and sustain uh, the direction that we want to go in our family. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Sounds like you had a a Marsha Brady situation going on in the backyard. (laughs) That's such a good throwback. It totally... It totally was. It totally. Was. I'm glad it didn't. It didn't wreak the same damage on your face as it did her. Yeah, hers was pretty catastrophic, if I recall. Yeah, it was pretty dramatic. So, um, well, last last big question, and then I want to just uh, close out with how people can stay connected. Because I, I mean, I, I mean this in all sincerity, but I feel like I, uh, I. Uh, I should just cut you a check because you've given us so much value. You know, like it's just, it's been really special. But last big question is, um, we talked about this, but for anyone who may be looking for their true purpose, um, but even beyond that, like if people that are really trying to find uh, ways to build better relationships, so whether it's on the home front, whether it's with, uh, if you lead a team, whether it's with those customers, um, how, how do people build better relationships? What would be your wisdom? Hmm. So I think a few quick things. The first would be a reflective thing. And it would be having a conversation with our 80-year-old selves of what's most important. And I imagine my 80-year-old self is like super spunky and super fun and um, sits at a kitchen table with coffee and loves on people and cares about them. But for me, it's like, hey, what what are you going to be proud of me for? What are the things that really are going to have mattered? And defining those kind of rungs on our ladder instead of climbing a corporate ladder or what the world defines for us. Like, what are those things really? And making sure we're super clear on those. And who are those people that are going to be at that table with your 80-year-old self? Like, who are your people? Because sometimes we can give the majority of our best energy to the people who won't be around 10 years from now. Mm. And so being super clear on who is sitting around that table, who's in that kitchen, and how do we prioritize those people first? And then when we narrow it down, like, okay, these are the people I want to invest the relationships in. And maybe that's our family. And maybe that's our customers. And maybe that looks different for different people in different seasons. But whoever that is... And then I think in my life, it comes down to finding out how are those ways that I can show them love? What works? Like Gary Chapman's five love languages. How can I show you love and build those relationships? 
Um, if I buy my husband a gift, he could truly care less. Like it does nothing for him. For me, I'm like, Ooh, I love it for weeks. <laughs> and so knowing for him quality time and physical touch, like that's what matters. And I need to yeah. make those investments as often and frequent as possible. So I think it's being really clear on how am I going to be able to create connection, to build relationship, to show love. And I think the best way that we can do that is just ask. Like, yeah. hey, what is it that I can do? It's one of my favorite questions John asks me is, um, what can I do to show you love today? Mm. And I think we can do that for everyone around us. Hey, what's one thing I can do? I, I, I often ask my kiddos this question. This weekend, what's one thing that I could do that could really show you love this weekend? And deliver it. Like, do yeah. it as best as you can. And I think sometimes we don't ask and then we never really know. And so just ask. Have the conversation. Yeah. You, yeah, you nailed that. And I've been saying that lately too. I, I think there's a lot of value, especially, I mean, the five love languages has been around for a long time. And then you have like the new kids on the block, like Enneagram and all the other things. And I think they're all really valuable. But I think the one thing that will never go out of style is your voice and asking a question like how how can I, like you said, how can I love you? What's the one thing I can do to love you better? Or just asking simple questions like how can I improve or what do you need? Um, that's a really amazing thing to share. So I love that. All righty. So for those who um, feel really connected to you like I do after today's uh, conversation, how can people uh, stay up uh, with you or stay connected I know you're working on a book, which is really exciting, but if someone wants to just stay in touch, what's the best way for them to do that going forward? So there's three ways. All of them include Elizabeth Dixon Speaks. So a website, www.elizabethdixonspeaks.com. LinkedIn, if it, you're more in the business side and like to connect on LinkedIn, and it's just backslash Elizabeth Dixon Speaks. Or Instagram, where I'm not there that often, but from time to time, post a few things. And that is handle Elizabeth Dixon Speaks. I love it. There's some good simplicity and cohesion there, which there is, is great. So, well, my friend, thank you so much for your time and for the amazing conversation today. And for all those listening in, thank you for joining us on another episode of the Relationship Business Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, have any thoughts or suggestions, um, or guests you'd like to hear from going forward, just let us know what you think by leaving a review on Apple Podcast. But most of all, have the best day and know that you are loved. <laughs>